Well, good morning, church. My name's Matt. I'm on the team here at Victory Point. I mean, I'm, I'm going to miss Arlene. We're going to miss Arlene, aren't we? Yeah. She and Bob, uh, they helped begin this place, and they were definitely contributors to this vision and mission, and uh, we're going to miss her. But when, when I got the, the call or the text on Friday that it was probably a matter of hours, like, I found myself just experiencing tears of joy on her behalf because she was about to go home, about to go home. And uh, in a few weeks, her family is scattered throughout the country, but probably later this month, we will gather together and have a proper celebration of her home sending. So we'll keep you posted on that. Just watch the e-news and we'll let you know when and where that will be. I mean, we got a, we got a full house this morning. This is awesome. I'm curious, uh, is this because we're having barbecue and ice cream today after the gathering? I mean, come on. Like, like who's here really just for the barbecue and the ice cream? Scott, I, I appreciate that. Like, no, no shame, no judgment, Dave. I mean, I do that kind of stuff all the time. I, I, I go to Van Weer and Hardware on most Saturdays just to buy something because they have cookies and lemonade for free. <laughs> available at Van Weeren Hardware. So I, I totally get it. I, I don't mind if you're here just for the barbecue and the ice cream. And uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, one of my favorite comedians, Jim Gaffigan. You, like, you know Jim Gaffigan? He has, a, he has a bit he does on cake where, you know, someone goes up to Jim and says, hey, it's Bob's birthday today. And, and he's like, oh, I don't like that guy. There's, there's birthday cake in the break room. Well, I should go say happy birthday, you know. So if you're here just for the barbecue and the ice cream, Totally fine, no judgment, no shame. We are super glad you are here. And if you're here for the very first time, we'd invite you to maybe fill out one of those connect cards on the seats in front of you or on the table and just drop it at the welcome table as you go out. We would love to meet you and follow up with you and answer any questions you have. Matter of fact, if you tell them you're here for the first time, they have a little gift bag they'd love to bless you with. So uh, make sure you do that if you're here for the very first time or fairly new to Victory Point. But I'm excited about the fellowship we're going to have, you know, the breaking of bread we're going to have together. And uh, very grateful for Chef Len at American Shire. He gave us a smoking deal. That was a little barbecue joke. You see that? Like, uh, he's very generous. He loves this place. And Pam Dreyer's put a ton of work into this. She's our hospitality person, and she puts a lot of effort into this. And I know Karen Greenwood made... Yeah. Karen made some homemade hot fudge for us, and Earl and his team gets everything all set up. And you guys brought you know, ice cream toppings, or at least some of you did. So just very, very grateful for all of that. Hey, if you have a Bible with you, or if you have a Bible app, I want to encourage you to open up to the book of Acts. Okay, find the book of Acts. It's in the New Testament, so it's in the second, kind of towards the end of, of the scriptures. Turn to Acts chapter 2. And while you do that, I just want to give you some context of, of what's going on in this particular moment in the scriptures. Jesus has been crucified, he's been resurrected, and he's actually ascended now back to the Father in heaven. And, it, and we're told in the beginning of the book of Acts, the disciples are all gathered in one place. And the Holy Spirit comes and fills them all up. And we're told that they begin speaking in different languages. And the people who are watching them think they're drunk. Okay? And so Peter stands up and he addresses the crowd and he explains to everyone what's going on. He explains who Jesus was. And Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts, he's a physician. He wrote the Gospel of Luke and he's also writing the, the Acts, the Acts of the Apostle. He's, 
of the apostles, he says that after Peter gives this address or this message, this sermon, that 3,000 people came to the Lord. 3,000 people became believers. So what do they do? Well, the very next sentence, Acts 2, 42 through 47, familiar words. Here's what these 3,000 plus people did. They devoted themselves. I just want to say that again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayer. Those four things. That's what they did. You know what resulted from those four devotions? Verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate barbecue. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the go-to passage that everyone goes to to read about the life of the first church or the early church. In my Bible, this section is titled this, the the fellowship. The the, the Greek word would be the the koinonia, the, the, the fellowship of the early believers. This passage describes the church. The early church. Now, before we dig into this passage this morning, I I think it's important that we continue to remind ourselves and hopefully re remind ourselves about this truth. The church is always a people, not a place. You should write that down. The church is, tweet it. The church is always a people, not a place. Now, I know when you, when you kind of come into our driveway here on this property, our sign says Victory Point Ministries. That's because, you know, Victory Point's 26 years old. Back in the day when, when this church was beginning, it was kind of in the era for churches of seeker sensitivity, you know, and you're trying to reach people who don't want to have anything to do with the church, so I know what we'll do. We'll call ourselves a ministry instead of a church. But here's the deal. We're, we're a church. We are a church. We are Victory Point Church. This building is not the church. We are. You are. I am. We are. We are the church. This is just, this building is just the place where the people, the church of Victory Point, gathers regularly, you know, on a Sunday morning. The church is a people, not a place. Here's the deal. You don't go to church. Okay? You don't go to church. Will you join me? in ruthlessly eradicating that phrase from our vocabulary. Going to church. Go to church. Going to church. I know we know that the church really is a people, but, that, but language matters, I think. Language creates culture. And every time we ask someone or someone asks us, where do you go to church, we're perpetuating this idea that church is a place. You do it, I do it, let's stop doing it. Let's try real hard. I I just did it last Sunday. Last Sunday, I uh, had the Sunday off. I was up north at my parents' lake house, and we were enjoying a big family gathering, and I was out on the jet ski. It was really nice up north. I I guess it wasn't here, but I was out on the jet ski in the afternoon. I I, I run in, not run into a 
pontoon boat, but I come alongside of a pontoon boat with some people I know from Victory Point up there on the lake, and, uh, and they introduced me to some of their friends, and they introduced me as their pastor, and, and I, I, these words come fessing out of my mouth, like, yeah, I didn't go to church today, don't tell anybody, okay? And then I'm driving away, you know, on my cool jet ski, and it's like, I just did it. I just said I didn't go to church. I perpetuate the stereotype that church is a place. Church is not a place. Church is a people. You know, I almost think like maybe we should start one of those jars that some people have in their home, like a swear jar. You know, when bad words come out of your mouth, you got to put like a dollar in the jar. Like, what if we had a jar up here? Every time anyone says, you know, I go to church here, I go to church there. Where do you go to church? We drop a dollar in. Think of the money we could make if we did something like that. I mean, just you get what I'm saying. Like, church is not a place. It's a people. I think the better way to say it is like, where do you go to church? Well, I participate in the church known as Victory Point that sometimes gathers at Ransom, you know, 11530 Ransom Street. Sometimes it gathers in this home over here and sometimes it gathers in that home over there. Church is, always has been, always will be a people, not a place. We can sell this building. We could sell this property. We could give it away if we wanted to and Victory Point Church remains. Victory Point Church remains, at least it should So if that idea or that thought of not having this place or this building or this property concerns you, I would suggest maybe you need to expand your understanding or definition of what the church is. The church is a people, always has been, always will be. The church is wherever the people of God are gathered at a particular moment in time and place. That's the church. We have church here at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings, but we experience church the rest of the week too. Whenever the people of God gather together wherever they are. When, when you gather, I know a lot of you do this, when you gather um, it, as a missional community, for instance, during the week in someone's home or at a different place, when you experience the fellowship of the believers, like, like this is titled, um, that is church. I don't remember who said this, but it's not so much that the church has a mission, but the mission of God has a church, a body, a people. This, this thing that we do on Sundays, this is just the place and the time that we regularly gather up as a church to be reminded of who we are, of whose we are, and the mission that we're all employed on. We gather to worship and to sing together, to remind ourselves we're part of something bigger. We gather um, to, to tell stories and to celebrate breakthroughs. We, we gather to be reminded to keep going and don't give up. Get back out there. I almost, like, I envision, like, because it's football season, right? To me, this is like the locker room. This is where, like, the team gathers for a little break from the action to be reminded, like, like, keep going, don't give up. Here's the game plan. Now get back out into the game. This isn't the game. This is like where the, this is the locker room, okay? And then we get back out there as the church. The church is wherever the people of God gather. So enough of that. Back to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts 2, 42 tells us what the church did when they gathered, wherever they gathered, okay? So Acts 2, 42, what did they do when they gathered? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I love this. I love this. I am terribly convicted by this, to be honest. I am. Remember, the church had just grown by 3,000 people. I mean, there was the 11, then they they added someone, they had 12, there's the 120, but all of a sudden they just added 3,000 people to their ranks. 
Excuse me. You know what the church today would do if 3,000 people suddenly were added to our ranks? We would spend hours getting these new converts into some sort of class or some version of like a, a membership type class, which we would focus them primarily on the church. And we would, we would teach them our vision and our mission and our values and our beliefs. And we would introduce them to our great staff and all the great ministries that we have. We would, dis- we would disciple them to support the vision of the church, to, to support the leadership, and most importantly, to, to give of their resources to support the ongoing ministry of the church. But you know what the early church did? They didn't do any of that. What they did was different. These apostles, remember, these apostles had been with Jesus. They had heard him speak. They had firsthand knowledge of the Sermon on the Mount. They were there when Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. They saw with their own eyes these these simple fish and loaves get multiplied into never-ending baskets of provision. Uh, they, they, they saw Lazarus take off his grave clothes, and, and a, a dead man went walking out of the grave. They, they, they saw like wine made from jars of water. The early church clearly understood, listen to me, that the best way to mature a believer is to bring them to Jesus. Just bring them to Jesus and let them learn from Jesus. The focus of all their discipleship efforts was love and loyalty and obedience to Jesus. Not to the church, not to an institution, not to a denomination, but to Jesus. These guys, these guys never went to seminary. They they weren't theologically trained. Yet somehow they instinctively understood that the best thing they could do is center everybody around four things. Around four things. Around four disciplines. Around four practices. And it says they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. That means that they, to continue steadfastly, if you were to kind of define that, to to continue steadfastly. To them, devoted was more than just a once a week gathering that maybe you go to a couple times a month. To them, devoted was more than just gathering up with some other believers a few times a a month outside of like Sundays. For them, devoted meant to fully embrace something. To be fully immersed into something. It it meant almost to the point of being a fanatic. I mean, that's the kind of reputation they had. Almost to the point of being fanatical. The, the The early church totally and completely devoted and fully immersed themselves, even to the point of exclusion to everything else, to four things. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of the bread, which could include the the Eucharist, the the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Now let's just pause and do some reflection as a people, as the church that goes by the name Victory Point. Does this describe us? Does this describe you? Does this describe me? Does this describe our fellowships that we experience outside of Sundays? When the church that goes by the name Victory Point gathers here and gathers there, are these the kinds of things we would say we are devoted to? Let's just, for the rest of our time together this morning, let's just talk about that first one. 
okay? Like we, we, could, we could talk about all four and probably like learn a lot, but, but we really want to put this into practice. So we're just going to go slowly, maybe through this verse over the course of time. And, and so uh, we, we're in this series that we're launching today called Devoted to the Word of God. Let's just start there. Let's just start with this one simple practice and build off of that. The Apostles' Teaching. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Let, let's unpack that a second. The apostles, these are, these are men who had been with Jesus, now teaching others about the words and the way and the works of Jesus. They're, they're teaching those around them about the words, the way, and the works of Jesus. They're teaching others how Jesus fulfilled all these prophecies that they had in the Torah, in the old te- what we call the Old Testament. They're, they're teaching them that. Our equivalent today of the apostles' teaching would be this book. It would be this book right here, the Bible. Okay, It would be these, these 66 different books written by over 40 different authors over the course of 1,500 years written in three different languages. We, in this book, we have the Old Testament or the Old Covenant that gives like, the beginning of the story and, and, and the prophecies. In this book, we have the New Testament or the New Covenant that introduces us to, to God in the flesh and the person of Jesus Christ and, and, and his work on the cross and his resurrection. And, and we have the teachings of the apostles recorded in these gospels and in these letters. To to us, to be devoted to the apostles' teaching would would be devotion to the Bible. Like we sang, this is our daily bread, right? It's our daily bread. God's word spoken to us. The the, the good book, the the holy scriptures, um, the the Bible. Question. I have a question. I just just kind of curious about this. This is a question I'm going to ask you to turn to your neighbor real quick. I'm curious, as you think about your household right now, Think about like the, the, the house that you live in and the people that live in the house with you. Do a mental inventory right now. How many Bibles do you have in your household? And I would suggest we almost have to count our devices, right? Like if we have an iPad or a smartphone and we have a Bible app on there, that's a Bible. So just real quick, do a mental inventory. How many Bibles do you have in your house? And then uh, once you get that number, turn to the people around you and just kind of share that. Okay, this is, this is not a trick question. There's no wrong answer. Just kind of share that. All right, just to give you a, a quick stat, the, the, the Bible, the Bible continues to be and has been for a very long time the number one best-selling book in the world. It, it's, I read that there's 50 copies sold every minute. Imagine in the time of this message how many Bibles are sold around the world. We're told that the average, Ameri- I guess, American or Western Christian has on average somewhere between three and four Bibles. So I I started counting up. In our household, I think we have 
13 Bibles, if you count devices, and you know, each of my kids has one, Tori and I have one, I have an extra one, we even have this one. Look, look at this thing, just listen. You might grow up in a church, like in a more traditional church, where you had like the big pulpit, and then there was the big pulpit Bible up here. You know why they had these? Because pastors, they need big print. Because like, we're usually old, and we need big print. That, I'm sure it was also symbolic of we're centered around the word of God. Like this was given to Tori and I on our wedding day by Tori's father. It's, a, it's an American bicentennial edition. So it's got the whole history of the United States in the front of it, which is kind of weird. But, but it's got this cool calligraphy. Is that what it's called? Calligraphy when you write really neat? Like it tells like when we were married, who was there, a little bit of a family tree. And then the family tree goes to our children's records and it's empty. It's, it's blank. Like, I have room for eight children in my Bible, so we can have five more, I guess. Don't tell Tori that. But we don't know how to write neat like that, so no, one, no one's writing in this Bible. This just, it, it sits on a shelf, okay? It sits on our shelf. But you get what I'm saying. Here, here's the deal. You know, most American Christians have three to four Bibles, but here's what's also true. About 20% of American Christians read the Bible daily. 20%. 20% read the Bible daily. 25% read maybe a few times a week. 22% maybe once a month. It's no wonder the church in America is somewhat powerless, I think. We have a lot of resources. We have a lot at our disposal. But it seems like the church in America, especially when you compare it to the church in the book of Acts and when you compare it to the church in Asia and around the world, why aren't we experiencing the kinds of things that you know, the early church did or other churches around the world are? And I wonder, have we lost our devotion to the word of God? We lost our devotion to the apostles' teaching. Now, I, I'm encouraged. You know, we did a survey last May. We do a, trying to do a survey every spring, spring to get the pulse of Victory Point. That revealed to us that about 50% of VPers have at least some sort of daily discipline. You know, whether that be prayer, Bible reading, things like that. But, but 20% of American Christians read the Bible every day. And I think that's kind of sad. You know what that, because you know what that tells us? You know what that at least tells me as I interpret that? It tells me that a majority of Christians in the West are relying on, depending on, someone else to read the Bible for them and then tell them about it on Sunday. That's not going to work. We're not going to have power that way, you guys. We're really not. We're missing out. If we're not, if we're not, if we're not regularly devoted to the Word of God, we're living a reduced life. We're living a powerless life. I just want to remind us this morning of what's true about this book, about the apostles' teaching, about the word of God. I just want to like, remind us what the Bible says about itself. So I'm going to go through these fairly quickly, and I'd encourage you just to write these references down. Okay, write these references down and hang out in them this week. Meditate on them. I'll just add another one for, for free. Read Psalm 119 this week. That's a long psalm, but it talks a lot about the Word of God in there. But here's what the Word of God says about the Word of God. Jesus says this. He says, the Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. And then this, the words that I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit in life. We have a record of the words that Jesus spoke to the apostles. When we read those words, those red-lettered words, they are Spirit in life. 
John 6, 63. How about this? Isaiah 55, 10 through 11 says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and the bread for the eater, so is my word. So is my word that goes out from my mouth, God says. It will not return to me empty but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purposes for which I sent it. Means when you read the word of God, expect something to happen. There will be results. It will never return void. Anytime you read the word of God, there's potential and promise for power in your life. How about this one? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, Paul says this to young Timothy, all scripture, this whole thing, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? For teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that what? The servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You want to be thoroughly equipped for everything going on in your life? Read the word of God. It's useful for that. It will equip you for anything going on in your life. How about this? Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God, this, this, this book, it's not just a book, you guys. It's living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. This is a living, breathing, powerful book. God, I mean, God, who, who just with words, who, who with his voice spoke in a hundred billion galaxies came to be, who, who with just the vapor of his breath, planets came into existence, who, who became the, the living incarnate word of God in the person of Jesus Christ, that God speaks. If you catch nothing else this morning, walk away with that reminder, God speaks. God speaks. God speaks. God speaks. He has spoken and he is speaking. Are you listening? Are you listening? And if we're not devoted to the word of God, if we're not regularly, daily in this word, we won't hear God speaking. We won't hear God speaking. One of our values here at Victory Point um, is this. This is one of our, our foundational values. Scripture and spirit. God has spoken to us. He, he's already revealed himself to us. This is the revelation of God. God has spoken to us through his word. And yet he continues to speak to us through the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Therefore, as we follow Jesus, we will regularly ask these two questions. I bet you've heard them if you've hung around here. What's God saying? What am I going to do about it? What's God saying? What am I going to do about it? So we've been thinking, how can we help each other do this? How can we help each other live into this? We, we've been dreaming. What if we, victory, the church that goes by the name Victory Point, what if we devoted ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God on a whole new level? Celebrating the, the level we're at, but what if we took it deeper and higher? What if we did that? What if everyone, 
check this out. What if everyone that calls Victory Point home, what if everyone is reading the same thing in the Word of God every day? What if? What if? We want to find out. We want to find out what that would be like. So uh, we're inviting everyone and challenging everyone to participate in a church-wide Bible reading program. I, I encourage you to grab this handout that you were given when you came in. We'll put a screenshot up there too of this. We spent a lot of time exploring like what would be the, the ideal plan for us to participate in as a church. There's lots of Bible reading plans out there, just so you know. There's lots of them that include all kinds of scripture every day. And, uh, so we spent a lot of time kind of wrestling through that. Um, and uh, the one we landed on is this one. And I just want to give a shout out to Brendan because he did a ton of work in making this for us. And he's a rock star in, in, on this team. And uh, we went really simple, right? Brendan decided, like, what if we use the revised common lectionary? And, and for those of you who maybe have never heard of a lectionary, a lectionary has been around for a long time in the church. And it's just a collection of daily scriptures to read. Okay, and we decided like, why don't we, way before there were church series of topical things to preach on, most churches just read the same scriptures every week and then preached on the same thing every Sunday. Like, so, so we're going old school a little bit. We, we, we are going back to the Revised Common Lectionary and Brendan has spread that out into a weekly reading plan that includes six days of reading each week. And it's not too heavy. It's not like we're asking you to read like 30 minutes of scripture every day. You can accomplish this in 15 minutes. You could read it a couple times through in, in 15 minutes. But we're, we're, we're just dreaming like what, what would happen if we all read the same scripture every day? What could that be like? So I encourage you to jump in on this um, and, and to just start wherever you are, when, when, whenever you, you know, get this, like just start tomorrow. Start with tomorrow's reading. And uh, if you want to flip it around to the back, uh, there's some, some tips and some encouragement as don't just read it, engage it. Read the scripture, let the scripture read you. Read it a couple times, meditate on it. Ask the Lord to, to bring to your attention the things that he wants to get your attention on. And then ask those two questions. What's God saying to me? What am I going to do about it? You know, if you already have a Bible reading plan, we're not asking you to replace that. Like if you've already got a pattern and a rhythm, keep it going. Consider adding this alongside of it for a season. Um, but if you don't have a Bible reading plan, if, you don't, if you're not daily devoted to the word of God, this would be a super simple way to just begin to step into that. So you can use this. You can also find it on our webpage. Um, I don't know if we have the, does that work, Ethan? We we're going to give you a demonstration. But if you go to victorypoint.org and, and to our homepage and just scroll down a ways, you will see the daily readings right there that you can access, that you can read. There's a link there to see the whole thing online. Um, and then you can also go to our Facebook page. If, if you subscribe or like our Victory Point Facebook page every day, there'll be a reminder there of what scripture we're reading that day, okay? So those are just the ways you can access that. And... Uh, we're just wondering, like, what would that be like to not just read the scriptures together, but to be devoted to them and to engage them? All right. Um, I'm going to invite the, the team to come on up forward. But, but let me just kind of continue and end with this. Like, so so what, is this, what would this look like for us, like, on a Sunday? Well, here's, I want you to catch this. That what this means is that on Sundays, whoever's up here preaching, 
you're going to have engaged and read and spent time in that scripture during the week. So you're not coming in here wondering what we're going to talk about. You'll have been reading the same things we're reading, and there will be overflow in our messages from the, that scripture reading. What does that look like for the rest of the week? Well, can you imagine, like maybe you're gathered with your missional community during the week, and you're wondering, like, I wonder what we should do for devotions, or the, what should we read in the Bible? You don't even have to wonder. You've got it right here. Like, what if we read today's Bible reading together as a missional community and reflected on that? What if you're sitting around the table with your family for breakfast or for dinner and and you read the scripture for the day and you talked about it? What if when you're meeting with your friends like you you, or in your groups, like you you use this and you engaged it? We're using this as a staff. Every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday at 2 o'clock, we, we pause what we're doing and we gather in the common area and uh, we're reading the daily scripture and then we're praying out of it. And it's really brought some great synergy. Like it's amazing how the word of God gives you things to pray and to speak into each other's lives when you're daily in the word of God. So I just want to um, close by uh, reading actually yesterday's scripture. This is how cool this is. Like, this was the scripture that came up yesterday as our daily reading. Listen to this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight, whose delight is the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. Will you be that person? That person who's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. Whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Will you be that person? To be that person, you need to meditate, be devoted to the Word of God. What could that look like in your life today, tomorrow, this week? What would happen if a church in Holland, Michigan, devoted themselves to the Word of God? Let's find out. Let's find out. I wonder if it would look like what we read about in the book of Acts. Let's write write a new chapter for today. So why don't you stand? I just want to close. I I think this is something, um, I don't even know if Victory Point maybe did this back in the day. Some of you who are the seasoned Victory Point veterans like can tell me if this is true but is it true or not did you guys used to have a little litany you would do sometimes with your Bible to remind yourselves of what's true I know Dwight experienced this down at Hope College with Ben Patterson but but there was this litany that people have used to remind themselves of what's true of this book and I thought maybe for this series maybe for this series we'll do that I'd encourage you to bring your Bibles in this series. Bring your physical Bible. If you need one, you can borrow that big one down there. Bring your Bible because before we read the Word of God, I think, wouldn't it be powerful if we all kind of held up our Bibles? Just 
If you don't have a Bible right now, just pretend you have a Bible and hold up your hand. Okay? Let's repeat these words. This is my Bible. This is my Bible. Well, actually, let's say it in unison. Okay? (laughs) This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is the sword of the Spirit. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Devil, I'm armed and should be considered dangerous. Go be dangerous this week, okay? Go be dangerous. Let's pray. Let's sing.